0: You're tuning into Concept, my personal journey bringing ideas to life and maybe inspiring you to pursue yours. This is Art of Attention. Conversations on marketing, media, and getting your story straight. This podcast is a shout out to all you volunteers over at Al-Maghrib Institute for the countless number of you who have requested, hey, Marketing 101, hey, how do we market, how do we do this, how do we do that? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a basic foundation of how to approach marketing for community events. I've taken the basics, a core basis of marketing, put it within the context of a package or a product of a community um, event of some sort, something of educational value, um, and kind of framed it around that. So I'm actually in the process of putting together an event called the Falcon of Spain. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we're gonna use that as the template and context for how, this go- how I have gone about doing it. So what is the inspiration behind this particular thing? And why am I using the Falcon of Spain as the template? I'm running an experiment. Uh, The experiment is to test a particular hypothesis. And that hypothesis is that the reason people don't come come out for history-based classes or events is because people see it as history and not something like uh, a story of a hero or something like that. So I want to see, okay, is that... Uh, assumption or hypothesis true. And so I'm going to put together an event and that's going to be focused on testing that thought. So essentially, whenever you hear about Marketing 101 or if you ever study marketing business school, one of the things that they'll teach you about is the four P's product, price, promotion and place and putting that into a more organic, understandable uh, communication process. You need to be able to answer in regards to marketing and sales uh, in Marketing 101 is What is it that you're offering? Who is it for? What's the big problem you're addressing? And how is this the solution? And then in the area of value, what's notable about it? What's different about it from what's already present in the marketplace? And how is that difference adding value? And what's potentially maybe controversial that could help uh, extend the awareness for what it is that you have to offer along with that? um, How is that translated into a particular pricing in relation to whatever else is available in the marketplace? And ultimately, what is the tangible benefit of being able to get that? third part has to do with promotion where you communicate those very factors what is it that you're doing tactically to get attention how are you communicating or what is the message that you're communicating in terms of who what and why how is that going to be perceived in regards to the credibility factor and ultimately how you're going to close them so um, that's what communication is all about titling also kind of helps you in that regard and the poster and the promotion and in the the different means and the media Uh, that you're going to leverage to be able to do that. What I'm going to be doing is I'm going to take that, basically use that as the four modules for this podcast, and I've broken it down into simple human terms so that we can basically understand and know what to do. So the first question that comes up is within the concept of your product. or Essentially, it's a better question is, what is it that you're offering to the people, right? Is it a product? Is it a service? Is it a cause? You know, it's one of those three things, essentially. In the case of the Falcon of Spain, the first question that comes up is, the what what is it, right? So in my case what I've done is i um, putting together a story night presentation on a historical figure by the name of Abdurrahman I Abdurrahman al-Dakhil other people know him as the Falcon of Spain, he's also known as saqr al-Quraish uh, which is the Falcon Quraysh. now he's a historical figure, 7th century Islamic history, he helped establish Spain in that time and that empire ended up lasting about 800 years here's this historical figure and here are certain events and things that have happened, how am I going to frame it in a situation that uh, is receptive to people in general people receive things in the form of a particular genre right you know looking at story Right, looking at history, there are different ways that you can frame a story. And I'm going to go into details about genre-based storytelling in a different podcast. But essentially what I looked at here is that this is essentially a story, a quest story. It's a refugee story. It's a revenge story. And that's how I'm going to frame it. That's how I'm going to present it. But you know what it is that you're going to be offering to people. Then the second question that comes up is, whom is it for? OK, you can't ever say that what it is that you're offering specifically is for everybody. Right now, granted, there's a way to present it to different types of people. But the way that you're going to be presenting it for this particular situation is going to be specific to a very specific group of people. What is the story of an individual that would perhaps be inclined toward attending what it is that you're uh, this kind of event that you're putting together so in the case of the story of the falcon of spain couple of thoughts that come to mind as to okay who would be inclined towards it so one is anyone that might have some level of interest Uh, In the subject of Islamic history, specifically in the origin of the uh, establishment of Islam in the Iberian Peninsula, aka the area of Andalus. Interestingly enough, a lot of, especially among the Muslim community, they don't know much about Islam in Spain, much less Islam in Andalus. So, but there is a level of interest, there is a level of curiosity, perhaps, maybe, um, around that area. What about for anyone who might be maybe uh, seeking to perhaps draw? Raw parallels between what is happening in uh, in the world today versus what had happened back then. Are there any links? Are there lessons? There are indeed. And part of the communication is going to be to uh, make sure that people understand that. Because part of this is a refugee story, right? So in regards to it being a refugee story, we're talking about how uh, there are people who currently today are being pushed out. Of the Syrian region, right? At the time, it was con- always considered a sham, right? Sham is that region. There are a lot of different parallels that could be drawn. It's a refugee story, somebody who's leaving the sham region and going to the West, right? Another thing that could be of value here for anyone who's seeking potentially a sense of identity, right? Now, these are all things that I've kind of outlined for this particular event in class so it's just a question of outlining whom is it for what is it that is going to be tied to it so like anyone seeking a sense of identity history has that benefit we're going to go into more details of how to frame that within the process of communication um, as well as anyone who might be interested in uh, either uh, spanish or north african history that's whom is for topically wise what about geographically right so right now at least in the next few months my objective is to present this within texas Right, so specifically, first here in Houston, you want to really think about and consider where it's going to be based on whom it's for. Where are those kinds of people situated, geographically speaking? Another thought process that can go into coming out with uh, communicate developing your communication foundation um, is the story of the individual that potentially might be attending. Right, what is it that they? seriously desire right and how is it that what you're going to be sharing and educating people on how is it going to fulfill that particular desire one of the things is that especially in today's political rhetoric that's taking place one of the things that people desire is uh, change Right. So a lot of times the keys to change can be found in history. Can we look into the past to see how is it that certain people change different things to see uh, that perhaps maybe we today can apply some of that? What is a source of pain? for the prospective people that might want to attend? Uh, And how is it that this could potentially address that pain? So for some people, having a lack of identity is a source of pain, and they keep looking elsewhere, but they really don't find it. But perhaps in one's own past and history, that there might be a sense of uh, identity and a source of strength for oneself. Um, The other question is, is there a big problem that perhaps maybe you're addressing? What is that big problem? In my case, the problem I'm looking at is people don't want to know about their history. You know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. This, this typically happens when you don't know your history, when you don't know what's happening. kind of rhetoric that's taking place in the responses of many people uh, today, uh, especially in the area of like Trump and things like that, uh, is similar to the kinds of responses that people were having during the time of Hitler right? And the kind of things that they were saying, I wouldn't say is the same things, but similar in uh, implication. So now the thing is that people don't know their history, people don't know what's taking place in the past, and uh, people don't realize that they're treading in the same type of direction. Um, Knowing one's history and one's stories would potentially help you know, one correct that path. I am framing all of this stuff within this particular event, but I'm answering these questions as an example for you guys. Uh, So when you're coming up with the context and the content for communicating whom this particular event is for, uh, you would be able to do so. What is the big problem that I'm addressing? A lot of times educators, they get into history and they get into facts and figures and numbers and things like that. When in reality, nobody cares about that. And they glaze over personalities. They cover thousands of years in a matter of hours. It's like, what did you really get? My hypothesis goes into the thought of history is uninteresting because they present it in an uninteresting way. But one thing I do realize is what is that people are interested in, right? Uh, They are interested in historical epics. uh, Historical epics that are surrounding an individual and personality. So, this is the solution now I'm coming up with. So, if there's a problem, how is it that what you're offering is going to have a solution? And keep in mind, we're all still in the product phase. Comparables, right? So, what, like, in terms of what do you mean that people might like historical epics? Well, some of the top most well received um, and critically acclaimed and financially successful um, uh, projects in the past have been like movies, right? So, you got like Gladiator, The Count of Monte Cristo, Passion of the Christ, Titanic, Saving Private Ryan. Gone with the Wind, Ten Commandments, The Seventh Seal, Lawrence of Arabia, Kingdom of Heaven... Uh, Schindler's List, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Seven Samurai, and Apocalypse Now. Now, most of these are historical fiction. Some of these are also historical non-fiction that are inspired by or based on true stories. And these have all generally been successful because there was a good story told. This is also true among the Muslim community. Think about the kind of history classes that people really do come out for. They come out for the story of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. They come out for the stories of the different companions that existed during his time. And the uh, governors afterwards. The different uh, women and the mothers of the believers at the time people do come out for the stories of individuals, they may not come out for for the concept of history itself. Having understood this, like this is the product that I'm putting together, right? So the question that comes up for you is, I would say go back and where you're trying to develop something or if you've been given a product, try to also answer some of these questions for yourself because sometimes the package doesn't always include that. Consider for yourself is what is this product, whom is it for, What's the big problem that we have and how is this product going to help address it? Essentially, that's, that's what it is. Those are the four questions. Is, okay, now that you've got the product, the question is now, what is the value of that particular product? Traditionally, this has always been understood as price, but price is, a, uh, is an exchange of value. So the first question you got to understand for yourself, what is notable about it? And in that notability, is there anything that's potentially controversial? Sometimes people talk about, hey, you got to have product differentiation. Another way of asking, how is your product different? There's a difference between something being different and that difference being so notable that it adds value. So an example of that is a foam roller that is solid uh, solid black. Um, so maybe that's all the foam rollers in the market. They're all black foam rollers so you come in, you know what i'm going to come with a different product i'm going to come in with a foam roller that's yellow right yes it's different it's a different color but does that really add value right now you might come in and say you know what i'm going to come up with uh, um, a foam roller that's yellow but on top of that it's going to be little spikes on it nobody else is selling that now that those spikes are now notably adding some more value to it because now you got a way for the foam roller to get in on the pressure sensitive areas and soft tissues so that you can foam roll it out to get in on some of the more tighter Areas that I'm foam rolling. I, I'm not foam rolling. I'm using a lacrosse ball, right? Lacrosse balls like three or four dollars. Now, some people, businesses, what they'll do is they'll do exactly what I just mentioned before. They'll take a lacrosse ball, they'll color it yellow or green or red, and they'll call it a massage ball, and then they'll sell it for nine dollars, which doesn't. I mean, it doesn't really add value, and people aren't stupid, right? Now, granted, uh, you know, some people might buy that. Uh, by that, with the without the knowledge of the fact that you know what they've done is they've really taken a lacrosse ball. But most people who are familiar with some level of sport and activity, they know exactly where lacrosse ball is. In fact, traditionally, the whole thought and idea of using a ball to uh, to roll out, tight spots and sore spots, actually came from the from the idea of using tennis balls. Tennis balls and squash balls and lacrosse balls. So the fact that somebody's taking a ball and coloring it a different color is not adding really any value and nobody will want to do that. When I went to Sports Authority uh, one time, because uh, now lacrosse balls are easy to lose. You might have a friend or two and they might borrow it. Uh, so I went ahead and, uh, and got a lacrosse ball. And so I picked up like three or four of them. And the guy at the cash register is like, You're using them for uh, therapy and massaging yourself, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, everybody, they're going for the lacrosse balls. Nobody's buying the massage balls. I'm like, nobody because people aren't stupid, you know? Uh, Now, the thing is, I did also end up buying a $12 massager, which was essentially like, it wasn't a lacrosse ball. It was actually like a pool ball wrapped inside uh, 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 like this little uh, grip that allows me to hold it and it'll still roll and get in on like my quads or things like that. All of a sudden, that subtle differentiation gave value to a a point where I'm willing to pay like $12 or $13 for it. So the question that comes up is, whatever it is that you're offering, what is notable about it that makes it different that that difference is giving it more value, but something that might even propel the visibility of what it is that you're offering is potential for controversy. With Al-Maghrib Institute, right, back in the day when it first started out, over 10 years ago, one of the first things that was controversial about it, which I think also helped in uh, propelling it in terms of the attention that it was receiving, was that, hey, look, you know, they're charging money for classes on the subject of Islamic sciences, which to me was just like, well, okay, whatever. The fact that people charge money for classes is not anything wrong or bad or even out of the ordinary. However, for perhaps maybe a conservative crowd of people who have always sought knowledge the old school traditional way where you sit with somebody and they give it to you for free and all of that other good stuff. Um, for them, it's just like, oh my god, they're charging for knowledge. That, that, that for them was uh, controversial too. I right? small group of people now if you look at it in in the area of mainstream like the idea of a huge market for smokers now they come out with this uh this concept of vaping where you have glycerin or oil or whatever added into this like device okay fine you breathe it it becomes like this uh gas-like mixture and it's like as if you're smoking but then you're not really smoking right So this has become a level of controversy for some folks. It's like, well, it's an e-cigarette, right? Or it's not even a cigarette. It's vape. Some places are like banning that other places, And some people are like, oh, we don't know the effects of it. So there's a little bit of controversy and thus its attention is being is is growing and more and more people are uh, buying into it. Especially now, who's buying into it? Within the market of smokers, for the most part, other people who might have always wanted to try smoking, but they didn't want to do smoking, but they think okay, vaping doesn't have the same negative effects, uh, then they might continue to try that. Again, all of it is based on assumption in terms of these people trying different things, but there's that, there's that level of controversy that's that's propelling. The idea of what this is so that's the understanding of what will controversy is now going back to the template of what we're using with this falcon of spain what are some levels of controversy that i've kind of outlined so among them are uh one then maybe some communities might be sensitive to the thought of okay do we want to talk about the syrian crisis do we want to talk about the whole refugee factor especially with this story almost paralleling that um that narrative of what's happening? Um, Is that necessarily a good idea? I know some communities might reject it just based on that fact. That's fine. Uh, Other communities uh, might be okay with it. And, you know, they say, hey, you know, we need to bring more awareness to that reality. It's hard to tell what will be controversial sometimes until, you know, you're actually there. Uh, But these are some assumptions. One of the other things that I was told that might be controversial is because part of what I'm trying to do is I want to be able to put a graphic novelization i.e. put together a comic book uh, for this particular character and this story. When you put something in story form, there's numbers of emotional mechanics that go into it in terms of story beats and genres and things like that. Now, history gives us information that's been recorded. There's always going to be gaps in between. And at the end, we're going to draw conclusions based on incomplete information because that's what the past is. We can only there's only so much that we can gather where the gaps are. We fill it in creatively. So that might be controversial for some folks. It's like, oh, you're taking history and you're just put, making up stuff. Well, at that point, it's not really history anymore. It's just, you know, historical fiction that's been inspired by true events. There, there are certain communities within the society that might be against the thought and idea of, oh, graphic novels and comic books and pictures and all that. Perhaps that could maybe be a means to propelling this even further. If there's anything that will add value is getting clear on this factor how is it what you're offering what's notable about it how is that differentiation adding value to what people already go for coupled with what's uh, potentially con- controversial about it? the other question that comes up is now it's it's an extension of this like what is the real value and benefit of what you're offering in general now we're going into the whole benefit factor what is the tangible benefit this actually is a quite a bit of a challenge uh, to be able to communicate and address because some things may not have a tangible benefit. And so as a result, it becomes a hard sell. History is one of those things. Classes in general tend to be among the things that where communicating a tangible benefit is a little bit tough. I'll give you an example of a class that does have a tangible benefit, right? So you might have a class on wealth building or finance, right? And a tangible benefit would be after you attend this class, you'll be able, you'll be equipped with the means to uh, to double your wealth in 12 months right so that or, or double your income in 6 months right that's a tangible benefit um or or somebody might be like okay here, attend this health and fitness class and you'll figure out how to lose 20 pounds of fat in 10 days right that's a tangible benefit right so something you know something uh, whatever the headline is the headline is trying to communicate that tangible benefit in the area of history and other kind of education and things like that uh that that tangibility that touch that feel the visual facet tends to be a little bit difficult so the question that comes up is Um, Can you derive the tangible benefits from this? So one of the key things about history is this, right? History, when you learn it, understanding that, okay, what you're learning is the documentation and presentation of, of what happened in the past. And what we have is incomplete. At the same time, we're looking into the past. We're studying the lives of people that are dead, essentially. They're gone. They live this world, they're 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 done, their time is up. And so that becomes a reminder of our own mortality, right? So we know that we're gonna die one day as well. So that brings us to uh, when we turn around, we look at the future and we don't know what's certain about the future except for one thing that we're all going to die. So then that brings about a level of humility in oneself. Right. But humility itself doesn't really have a tangible benefit, except that perhaps maybe it might remind us and encourage us to behave more positively, to behave a little bit differently. So the question that comes up, and it's a question I was actually thinking about the other day and asking some people for their feedback, was what is the tangible benefit of humility? And the feedback that I got is like humility by itself, perhaps um, tangibly nothing. However, when humility is applied to other things and some of those things that one can achieve from learning about history does potentially have a tangible benefit. So for example, Humility within leadership. The question is, what is leadership, right? Leadership is one's ability to navigate, to understand where they want to go, be able to chart a course on how to get there and uh, and invite other people to join them on that journey. That's leadership. That's what brings about influence. And one, if one is doing that within the context of humility, then the, that would bring about a level of trust. That would bring about a level of likability. Thus, the tangible benefit is that you have more people supporting you in your endeavors, in your journey, in your venture. Another one would be about... Um, Perspective. History is something that, when you learn it, it broadens your perspective. It might even correct your perspective. So you might have had one worldview, and you learn about certain things, and you realize a worldview that you may have had may have been an incorrect one because it was based on information that was incomplete or inaccurate. And so now you have a wider worldview, and as a result, your perspective changes in a more positive direction, which perhaps maybe brings about a more accepting uh, approach to people. And community, and thus it it perhaps maybe makes you less uh, biased, less ethnocentric, less potentially racist. This okay. These are yes. These are behavioral benefits. But at the same time, there is a tangible result of that when one applies it to community and society at large. This is one of the reminders that I got that I found to be very very inspirational. Here's the thing about history. If you go back three hundred years you have maybe, I don't know, uh, a thousand ancestors that are related to you. If you go back 600 years, you have a million ancestors related to you. Go back uh, like 900 years, you've got a billion ancestors related to you. Current population of the world is almost 7 billion. You have a billion ancestors from 900 years ago. Uh, And if you go back another 300 years in addition to that, you go back 1,200 years and you will have over a trillion a trillion ancestors, you come to realize that we as a people today, right now, are descendants of prophets, kings, tyrants, and saints and peasants. We're all connected. So, this brings about a level of connectedness, community. Now, granted, there's potential for good and potential for bad in all of us. What is your role going to be in, in the impact of history and future? The next question that comes up in the context of value is what is your current marketplace uh, offerings? So what is it that, uh, best, better way to communicate this is when I used to work in sales, um, the thing was that our competition wasn't what everyone else is offering. It's what uh, currently our prospective customer already has right now. The greatest resistance to purchasing anything is change. It's not that you have different options, but it's what you have now. So in the case of uh, current mar- marketplace offerings, what is that people are already doing? Considering this is an event that would take place on a weekend, uh, my competition would be whatever else is happening on a Friday night or a Saturday. Actually, this is going to be happening on a Saturday. So what are, whatever else people do on a Saturday um, that they've already set set out to do or would normally do as part of their routine, how is this going to be able to add value to them? Why would they consider going? Now people will um, perhaps it's for entertainment perhaps it's for whatever, but it's under it's an, it's an understanding of um, what are you offering to other people Now it also depends on how would how would I present this in in its various modalities. The event is one, the graphic novelization is another. maybe a uh, a visual format story, I don't know animation or movie would be another. So in each case, whatever the modality of presentation is, you think about what are the different, options that uh, people already have in terms of what they're doing now as part of their routine and how is this going to add value um, if they were to change that so these are certain things that you want to consider now ultimately the last part is you gotta consider um, the pricing, right? So obviously, value is about pricing, but it's more than pricing. It's about cost pricing and profit, especially because what is the value to you as a as a producer, as the one who's putting this all together? Let, let me give you an example. Uh, my previous employer was a storage company, so we offered storage, right? Storage meaning you rent out a storage unit, put your stuff inside it. And then you go home, right? And uh, because you don't want that stuff at home, but you at the same time want to keep that stuff. There's a company called Portable On-Demand Storage, Pods. They came out with the concept of why don't we just bring the port? Why don't we just bring the storage unit to the customer? There's a huge differentiation right there. They said... Um, instead of you coming over here, let's add convenience to your life. How much is that convenience worth? Well, it's worth double the price of what normally somebody would pay uh, because that's what people are willing to pay. They don't want to have to go through the hassle of renting a truck and all these other things. So all they would do is bring the storage unit, put it on the driveway, done, um, leave it there for a long time, maybe months at a time. There would be rental cost of that or they would store it in a uh, offsite location. So my company, my employer, uh, we came out, they're called Zippy Shell. They said, okay, why don't we just add you know, there, there's a market for this. Let's come in. But here's our differentiation. Our differentiation is that we're not going to leave it on your driveway at all, right? Because a big part of, uh, you know, situations where people get storage because of divorce or because of death or because uh, they're moving, so they're going to be downsizing or ups- uh, upscaling. I think these are these are the main situations where people get storage. So our thing was we want to be able to target that. Now, one of the bigger situations where people get storage is when they move, right? real estate agents that are involved or whatnot. So when a real estate agent is trying to sell a house, they don't want a storage unit in front of the place because that is something that kind of um, takes away from the presentation. So our thing was, look, put your stuff inside. We'll never leave it on the driveway for more than a day or two uh, for the time in which you need to put stuff away. All of a sudden that became a differentiating factor. Now, granted, the, our cost of operating the business was also significantly less so we could pass those savings on to the customer. And so all of a sudden we were able to price ourselves in between the premium provider, which was uh, portable on demand storage, as well as the um, not so premium provider, which was your local, um, your local storage facility. So right there is an example of how to place or position yourself in terms of pricing uh, in relation to what's in the marketplace and what's out there. And uh, so similarly, if you're putting together an event, there are usually two things. It's it's either you're selling tickets to members of the community or um, one is selling a package to a community center of sorts. And they decide whether or not they want to sell tickets or want to make it an open event. Once you understand what the product is, who it's for, what the big problem is, how you're solving it, how it's uh, different, what's notable about it, what's controversial, as well as what's the tangible benefit. And with that understanding what you're pricing it at. Then you go into the communication and marketing portion, which we're going to cover next. So let's go on to part three, the marketing communications part. This is what I call the fun part. Um, This is where all the promotion comes into play. There's essentially three, maybe two or three questions that you need to be able to communicate in this understanding. First of them is what is the promise and guarantee? Now, this goes back to understanding the value. You know your value. All you have to do is now take that information and plug it into the promotion, right? What's what's notable about it? And what's different about it? How's that difference adding value? How is that? uh, What's potentially controversial about it? Through all this, what is the tangible benefit? And how can you put that statement into something that uh, would be in a promise and guarantee? So in something like this, the promise and guarantee that I would make is, hey, look, you attend the seminar. One, the parent promise is that you're gonna. It's gonna be a story night extravaganza. A story about revenge, and and uh, it's a refugee story. It's about a young prince who, on the verge of being uh, thrust on a corrupt throne. Um, finds his homeland invaded and a hunted fugitive. And uh, upon seeing his family murdered, he vows revenge. And when he reestablishes his family's empire in Spain, he has to choose between fulfilling his uh, desire and vow for revenge versus maintaining justice in the new empire that he has established within Andalus, Spain. History tells us that uh, the decision that he made led to the establishment of the uh, Islamic Empire of Spain, uh that lasted for the next 800 years so obviously there's more to that story promises that you will get an interesting look on the life of someone that might lend itself to one being better connected to the community have a sense of identity like these are all the different things that i would state and they're not false promises either because i truly believe that this is what the value is and what you'll get out of it what is your process of communication essentially you need to figure out how to do three things Number one, you need to figure out how you're gonna get their attention. Number two is how you're gonna communicate them that message and the credibility that's behind it. So these two together, message and credibility. And lastly, is what is your close going to be and how are you going to close in the process of traditional marketing and sales has always been prospecting, presenting, and then following up. So if you're knocking on doors, you knock on 50 doors, you talk to seven seven or eight people, maybe 10 people, you'll close you know, um, two, three, maybe five people that day. So you figure out this re- ratio and you simply scale that ratio up if you want more, or you maintain it if you want to hit your quota by the end of the week or before the end of the week. In the area of digital marketing and advertising on the internet typically the ratio is like clicks to leads to sales you're finding ways to drive traffic and that traffic comes through clicks they come to your website they come to a landing page they come to um, an event page they go through that they click on it they uh you know they become uh, a potential lead there's a follow-up to that lead through another set of communications which ultimately ends up closing them as a sale. They've made a purchase. There's been exchange of value and boom, they are booked. What are different things in in an event marketing situation that one can do that could lend itself to generating attention, right? So number one that I look at is press outreach. Right. What are the local press uh, outlets in your local area? Reach out to them. Present to them. Hey, look, this is what we got going on. This is what's notable about it. This is what's potentially controversial. This is what we're going to be covering. Do. um, And and perhaps this would be of something of value for you to cover in your newspaper. Right. That's the approach that I'm going to take. Um, A lot of people don't take advantage of this. I remember back when I was in um, I was in college, we were putting together an event on a buddy of mine. He had gone to Jerusalem. Just, you know vacation visit it and in that visit uh, he had visited both uh, Palestine Jerusalem Israel he wanted to share you know his experience and what he learned so we put together some marketing and, and whatnot and we put together this poster that might kind of give a particular vibe and the poster said uh, uh, the mufti's crusade Jerusalem um, and it had a tagline uh, uh, why, why do we fall? Question mark. Now, what people didn't understand was the guy who was presenting, his name was Mufti. You know, sometimes people's names are Sheikh. Pe- like People thought that that was his title. And so this was a public event. We put it out there among the things that we did to get attention. We were at a local, we were at a uh, a convention and we had different, we didn't have a booth or anything, but we had a bunch of flyers. So we approached different people. I said, Hey, would you walk around with your with our flyer posted on your back? Now here's the thing about high school and college kids. They'll do whatever you ask them to do um, as long as it's fun and interesting. And so all of a sudden over within an hour, we had a bunch of people walking around the convention with a poster of that flyer. Now, granted, this convention was out of state so it it might have generated a little bit of attention in fact that might have been better used for um a session at the at the convention itself but it's something that generated attention at the same time um we had some press people reach out to us and they showed up on the day of the event and what ended up happening is that that um, news coverage article ended up becoming first page in the religious the religious section, talking about the you know the visit to Israel and things like that. At the same time, the the local administration was just like, okay, we like okay, this event is approved, but what's it about? What's going to be covered? Who is this guy? What's his qualifications? Because they're thinking that he's like some some scholar or something. Um, and so, what ended up happening was they took that poster. They folded the top of the poster where it said the Mufti's crusade. Um, so all you would see now is just Jerusalem and they put it inside the glass announcement box and not the poster bulletin board. So all of a sudden our poster got moved from a general area to a very prominent area behind the glass and people seeing it's folded. So all of a sudden it's like, what did it say behind the, uh, uh, in, in the area that's folded back and that, that it was so important that they needed to put it in the glass box itself. Uh, and so, That generated a lot of attention. So the question that comes up is, uh, what is it that you could do that could potentially generate attention Um, so that people can be interested in checking out what your event is all about? Um, This is where controversy comes into play. Uh, It could be controversy that uh, that may or may not be uh, warranted, but it might be perceived as something that's worth talking about, which is great. Leverage it. Use it. Get out outlets to uh, talk about it. I'm not saying go do things that are risque uh, and that could make you look like a buffoon, but at the same time, focus on the areas that need importance, right? Uh, and so that this controversy could be something that uh, people are willing to talk about. Now, the other, so this is the press side of attention. Now you have the advertising side of uh, uh, building uh, attention. Part of it is, is just that it's advertising, right? You, you, you set aside a budget. Uh, to drive traffic uh, to like an event page or something where people can be made aware because the biggest problem of any any kind of local event is that people just didn't know about it because the communication wasn't loud enough. So this is where that challenge comes into play. How do you communicate your message and your credibility? Ultimately, over time, credibility is going to be built off of the highlights and the press and things like that uh, that you get. At the same time, it also is built off of your background. Right, or whoever is presenting and the likability of the individual. And ultimately the other question that comes up is the message, right? Your message is going to be communicated either maybe in a poster or an advertisement. That message has to be going back to the first two parts. What is it? Who is it for? Right. Um, uh, and so if you can knock out these two things clearly, uh, that'll be great. And then the last part will be okay, what is it? Who is it for? Why should they attend? Essentially, what's the value? You knock out these three factors. Your, your advertisement message is good to go. Um, and ultimately after that, then they'll ask about uh, where is it, when is it, and how do we get there? That stuff only matters after you've hit the nail on the head in regards to what is it, who is it for, why they should come. How do you close them, right, especially in an event scenario? You know, you could have maybe an opt-in list. Um, You might have uh, an Eventbrite type of setup where people can uh, register for the event. There might be a sales page where they go ahead. essentially closes where do you go to accept the exchange of value where they say, you know what, I am coming. And this is what's going to um, and I'm willing to pay money to go there. Um, Now, some of the things that help build credibility over the long term is um, capturing content from the day of the event, capturing content in regards to pictures and videos and things like that. Um, And afterwards, also collecting the contact information and thanking them for having attended, uh, putting together maybe a basic simple highlights video or something, and do a recap on a blog of some sort and on the event itself so people get to understand and appreciate that your presence or their presence there uh, was appropriate. One of the key things that goes into the whole attention advertising factor also is the title. It will either just go over people's head, people won't care, or it will communicate exactly what it's about. That's one of the reasons I called it the Falcon of Spain, right? Uh, and people know that there's going to be about Spain. And when you mention the tagline uh, about a young prince's pursuit for vengeance to reestablish his family's legacy, be a summarized version of uh, the whole uh, storyized uh, description. But the Falcon of Spain is a title I've passed it around a number of people. And almost all of them have uh, concluded that, yeah, the of Spain is the better of the titles, especially with the Al-Maghrib crowd. Um, you guys don't have the option of putting together a title. Uh, you're given a package, which is great. It minimizes your work. Now you just got to focus on the communication and, uh, and, and peddling the stuff out to different people. But now we're going to talk about the last part, which is textbooks call it the place. But it's really two things, right? It's uh, the first thing is going to be Uh, How are you going to be fulfilling this promise for most folks, especially the motor folks? You guys don't really have to worry about this because this is something that's handled by HQ. For the most part, Um, you guys are just uh, responsible for uh, booking a venue and making sure that all that stuff is squared away. Um, But and we just simply the delivery of the promises on the instructor at this point. So in the case of the Falcon of Spain, it's essentially a two or maybe three part presentation, like two or three hours, uh, which is going to be showcasing one, the authentic history uh, of Abdurrahman al-Dakhil with all its gaps with uh within the history i'm not going to add any creative liberties in that regard and we're going to try to derive lessons from that lessons in the area of leadership in the area of uh community development in the area of uh personal motivation all all that um and in the area of what's happening politically today and what we can do and how we can see uh, how we can go about seeing some change the other factor is going to go into play of the storyized version of what i'm trying to do for the uh story of uh the falcon of spain um and essentially get people's contact information about what we're trying to do in regards to the graphic novelization that's what the whole package is going to be ultimately the promotion package that's going to be leveraged and the package that i would offer to communities as well uh, would be all right so here's a poster here's a promotion um, here's email copy five different emails that would uh, need to go out that communicate the uh, the what for whom and why in all of these different ways question that comes up is like okay i'm presenting it why am i credible to present it by profession, I work in marketing. As a marketer and a student of business and all of that, history is something that you always look at. Communication tactics. One of the major figures that we study in, in business school and marketing is Carl von Clausewitz. He's a Prussian general. And one of the things that he communicated was this, was the concept of strategy. And his concept of strategy is used a lot of times in business. Part of it has to do with the fact that, hey, if you really want to get in on your own growth and influence, you want to develop your influence, go for the centers of gravity. Attack the centers of gravity with all that you've got. And so when, when you take over that or you get those centers of gravity to also uh, vouch for you and your credibility, then your influence also increases. This is directly applicable in the area of marketing, who are the people of influence, who are the centers of gravity in your space, and how can you uh, team up with them and, uh, and and work with them, or completely knock them out uh, with something so much better uh, than what they have to offer, so as a result um, you know, you kind of show up on top, so again, all this comes from history right, who am I to be able to take something like this and put it into the story form, well I've also attended, uh, you know, went through my entire school school's uh, film school curriculum twice over and you know i got study of history and um as well as storytelling and genre and all of that in a way that's very different from other people so as a result i'm going to be taking that well taking history and applying it within and wrapping it within particular genre so it's far better received um, I don't know of anyone else who knows how to do that. Somebody's focused on marketing and branding and you know, storytelling is a huge part of it as well. So, you know, that's something that I think would add to my credibility. And that's the messaging that I would kind of add into um, what I'm presenting as a means of uh, adding to um, who I am, what I'm able to offer. Similarly, whenever you're putting together an event uh, and you're trying to communicate the credibility of an instructor uh, that's coming in that you're doing on their behalf, then that's something that you need to kind of figure out. It could be through the conference calls that you have with the organizers. It could be through the uh, conversation you have with the instructor themselves. The question that comes down to is, okay, uh, uh, for the instructor, what is their credibility? What's their background? What's their education? What have they done? How does that relate to what's going to be presented? So these are things that you want to consider. Now, the last part of the whole place factor is exactly that. Is a question of where. Where is this gonna be presented logistically as well as these packages that one might put together, especially for the Falcon of Spain? Where am I gonna go? So I already talked about in regards to I'm gonna we'll be doing this in Houston. Some of the more well-known communities in Houston, South, uh, Southeast, you have Southwest, you have uh, maybe downtown near the university area, or maybe even Islam and Spanish. Actually, it's called the Andalusia Center, which what better place to do something like this than than that? That might be a fourth place. So these are four places I definitely want to do this program in, uh, in regards to Houston to hash out the full-on presentation and and then potentially sell this as a package to um, other communities across the country this is essentially a conclusion of marketing 101 thank you for tuning into the concept audio connection following yours truly by day a marketing manager and multimedia producer and by night a student of martial arts history and human physiology this experience is about you benefiting from my personal journey and bringing ideas to life and perhaps inspiring you to pursue yours As of this recording, among the things I am pursuing is working on publishing my first book and producing a graphic novel and film on the historical epic of the Falcon, Spain. If you want to connect and engage with me, you can follow me anywhere on social media at Bilal Khan Social, that's Bravo, E-L-A-L-K-H-A-N Social, or my website, bilalkhan.com and it'd be great if you told me what you enjoyed about this experience with a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Until next time.